0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Network Show. I'm Alex. It is a cold, kind of dreary evening here. Well, not too dreary. It's just very dark. It's black out there. It's terrifying. <laughs> Joining me, as always, from the other side of the country, where it's warm and sunny, and it's never thirty degrees or whatever. Spread. How you doing, buddy? How you feeling? How's life? Happy Monday. I mean, doesn't
1: this NBA season kind of feel like when you didn't study in, in high school and then you're just trying to get like the whole chapter in? in one night before the exam because um, I'm loving it. It's definitely, you know, a test to try and get this much information in. But, uh, you know, we're ready to go. We got the uh, the Central Division and uh, see what we can find for value here in these uh, preseason plays.
0: It is indeed another, our third in our Division Preview Series. So we're halfway done. We're going to be back on Wednesday to do the Atlantic Division with a guest. I think we'll be back Friday and then maybe the Monday afterwards to wrap things up and then Tuesday night, I think. Yep. The following yeah, we day, off. yep. Like basketball baby, it's Love beautiful. It. But let's jump in. We're going to go in alphabetical order today, which means we will start with the Bulls of Chicago, um, a team that um, you know had a, a fun draft for us. We were really excited. They took Patrick Williams there at the before <laughs> pick. That was really their biggest acquisition. I'm looking through. I mean, it seems like they pretty much have the same team that they had last year. Um, you know, guys like Chris Dunn, Thaddeus Young are gone, but. You know, not really big no, impact players. Oh, I'm Thaddeus sorry, is he?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, there he is. Yeah. Look at that. All the way over to the side. It's, ESPN doesn't think he's going to play for some reason. You know, again, in terms of additions, um, new coach, that's the biggest addition here. Gone is Jim Boylan. Gone is the Garpacks era. We have a new organization. Billy Donovan's going to be driving the bus here. They draft Patrick Williams. Um, but that's pretty much it. You know, Noah Vonley signed, Zach Norvell, Garrett Temple. All nice little additions but nothing you know from a big change perspective so i guess the, the plan here spread is you know hope all the youngsters get better kobe white as an off season we'll see a sophomore surge from him zach levine will hopefully be healthy this year same for Otto porter same for laurie and Wendell carter jr another year of experience and getting better being a nice defensive player and pick and roll option and you know, hopefully getting a little better at that what do, are you expecting from chicago what do you see what are your feelings you know, what should we be expecting from this
1: team? Uh, you know, just to start off with a bad pun, this is originally a team that I thought I'd be bullish on. Uh, but doing my deep dive, I'm not. I am not bullish on this team at all. You know, because we talked about it a little bit before we started up. This team is a team that seems to have great pieces. I mean, if I was trading, a lot of these um, guys would seem attractive to fit into other rosters. I don't know if I necessarily like how they all fit together. And in terms of like ability to improve from last year, I think that Kobe White is your main one. Um, Zach Levine is a great scorer. Really struggles with the other aspects of of basketball. Um, for a guy who, as talented as he is, I would say that his passing is not where it should be. Um, really struggles defensively. He gets targeted a lot. Um, <clears throat> so I think we know what you get from Zach Levine at this point. He is just a pure scorer. And he's kind of a liability in the other areas. Otto Porter Jr., I feel his injury really sunk this team last year. I think his health is pretty much the key um, if this team is to overachieve this year because uh, I love the way that he provides uh, aspects of both ends of the floor. I think he's a great defender and just a nice leader here um probably a little overpaid but as the cap keeps going up and up that contract seems uh less and less undesirable marketing i think that we're a little different on i don't i'm not really high on marketing um i don't know besides shooting i don't really know what else he's going to do and i don't really know how much he's really able to improve um wendell carter jr obviously he's got a ton of potential and I probably would have talked him up, but he struggled in preseason. We don't want to take too much of that. But not a good first two games for him so far. So what I would say is the biggest change for this team, and the reason to be optimistic if you are a Bulls fan, is the changing coach. Okay, uh, uh, Boylan, right? One of the worst coaches. Did not fit at all um, for the scheme, the culture, and, and the guy's buy-in. I mean, you could see it. So um, Billy Donovan, even though I'm not really high on him as a tactician, I think as a team leader – and a communicator. He's so much better. I think he will be able to develop some of these younger guys. So I think the greatest addition there uh, was on the sideline. I I think that there won't be fighting with each other. I think it'll be a a unified team going forward. Uh, What would you say about some of my assessments that I've given you so far?
0: I think it's pretty solid. I mean, when I take a step back and look at the starting five, what I see is uh, a decent amount of shooting around Wendell Carter Jr. You know, again, he's had a tough preseason. I try not to put too much stake yeah, in that. Two games, yeah. he, he should be okay. He should have plenty of space to roll down the lane and, and attack the basket whenever he wants, or, you know, just really be dominant on the offensive boards if he wants to. Mark market into someone who, when he's healthy, he's a good shooter on the offensive end, he's a solid rebounder on the defensive end, even though he has some deficiencies there. Porter Jr. has been a good player on both ends of the floor. Again, a solid shooter. Levine, a great offensive player, obviously. Kobe White, someone that, um, you know, people in the know are really excited about. Personally, I haven't seen a ton out of him, Um, but someone that, again, a lot of smart basketball people that I know are excited about and have been excited about for some time. So I see five solid players. You start to look at the bench, Sadoransky, Valentine, Hutchinson, Patrick Williams, the fourth pick there. You know, it looks like their backup big man is going to be Daniel Gafford, Gafford. You know, not a great team, obviously. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) night to night, I think this will be a team that will pop in my first quarter model, frankly. I think they'll be a good team to start with that starting lineup. Um, And I think being a young team, they'll be aggressive to start a lot of games. But night to night, I think this will be a good team to fade, um, uh, you know, from a win total perspective spread. As I start to look at some of the prices here, um, I'm seeing a win total around 26, maybe 27, depending on where you're looking at, even some 25 and a halfs. I've seen, you know, so that puts them with a win percent. You know, I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong row here. Um, 29, actually. 29, 29 and a half of the Chicago Bulls. Of puts their win percentage right around 41%. Seems a little high to me. What do you think of an under there?
1: Yeah, I'm all over the under here. Uh, I think that this team is, I don't think they were very active in the offseason because they know how good this draft is next year. Um, I think the best case scenario, right, is they sneak into one of those low seeds and get blasted in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, when you're a team like Chicago, what's the point of that? You're a major market, high expectations, do have the ability to get free agents if you get a little better. Um, so let's go ahead and try and get that star. My main my main concern with that team is I don't like having Zach Levine as your best player. Um, Obviously, you can score, but, I mean, when you consider some of the other teams and the best players, I mean, when we did the Pacific Division, I mean, there's so many players that are number twos on those Pacific Division teams that I probably would rather have than Zach Levine. So I think that's where Chicago is going to struggle. Now you look if they are able to get one of these uh, top players in the draft uh, next year and implement them into this team, which I think is all solid players, I think they really do have potential. So I think that the new – Um, GM, who I'm not going to mispronounce his name, is going about things the right way, kind of just punting on the season, using it for development. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Billy Donovan can do with this group. But overall, not high in this team at all. And and I think they put the number about two wins too high. So I'm going to (laughs) go under here.
0: Yeah, I lean under, as I start to look back at last season, their regular season record was around 33.8%, um, but their Pythagorean um, was 40.1%. And again, what that is is a, a pretty basic formula that just tries to look at what a team's win percentage would be based on their points scored versus points scored against. And as you start to look at this, it's pretty interesting. Um, they were outscored by 3.1 points per game, which obviously isn't very good. But the Wizards were outscored by 4.7 points per game, had a better record. The Hornets were outscored by 6.7 points per game, had a better record. Um, so if it's, there is something in the idea that maybe Chicago should have had a little better record last year. You know, if, if we dive in a little further, I guess you'll see some close losses, um, you know, maybe some blowouts either way or things like that. But it's just tough. It's tough for me to look at this roster. I think that Donovan is going to have a big impact that he's going to be a real coach. I think that um, he's maybe not the tactician that a lot of teams want him to be, but he's a leader of young men. And that's what we have a group of young men that need someone to you know, hold them accountable, hold them responsible and challenge them every night. And I think that's what Donovan will do. I lean under overall, but I'm, I'm going to think about this one a little bit more, but I, I think you're on the right side under versus over. Um, Any other thoughts here on the Chicago Yeah, I think that
1: Pythag, I think it comes out wrong because I actually took them a lot because they would fall behind and they would make pushes, so I was grabbing them live at these great double-digit numbers, so I was watching live at the end of the games. And at the end of the game, they're just so exploitable, right? Because Levine and Kobe White, if you put them out there, they're cool on the offensive end, so easy to score on, right? So if you're going against a team that has scoring point guards, which is what? 75 to 80% of the NBA, right? They have an instant mismatch without even having to run the pick and roll. Um, And it's just tough for them to close out games. Zach Levine shot selection, even though he's a dynamic player, when they were buckling down towards the end of the game, he was having problems. And and I think that's one of the issues you'll see with Levine is say running like the 90 foot sprint. He's one of the fastest guys in the league, but laterally he's only average. So he has problems getting around guys um, to get to the rim in a half court setting and he has problems staying in front of guys, which is why he's such a talented athlete. I mean he can jump to the moon, greatest you know, greatest dunker. But really, you know, has problems translating that into becoming an elite player because when you originally see his athleticism, you think he should be, you know, top 20, top 25 guys. But when you see his lack of lateral quickness and how it's exploited in the half court, uh, it's why the Bulls were not able to finish games. So I'm not surprised that that number turned out to be uh, the way it is just because they seem so exploitable in the half court. So Billy Donovan's going to have his work cut out for him to try and turn that around. And you make a good point if they were to even get if he was able to figure out a way just to get them to their Pythag, you know, our under bet would be sunk. But uh, I think those issues in them being exploitable will still be there because I, you, you know, you're just not going to make these guys quicker. And I love Kobe white's upside on the offensive end, but he's still going to be a liability on the defensive
0: end. And hey, the pie again, just actually a little lower than the win total. So we'd still be okay. If they got up that high, maybe another way to think about this and you know, I'm looking through the Eastern conference spread. How many teams would you, make the Chicago Bulls favorite over, and let's just go over a neutral court. I mean, there's not going to be too much home court this year. And as I start to look down the list, I think the first option, the Knicks, you know, that's probably a pretty close game. You know, maybe they're a one-point favorite in that game. What do you think?
1: I Yeah, I mean, the Knicks really aren't that bad. Yeah, I would.
0: So that's pretty close. Fully healthy,
1: if... uh, fully healthy we'll give it to the Bulls
0: by one or two points. Okay. Pistons and Cavaliers are next. Same two teams in their division. I think, again, they'd be favorites there. Maybe a little more than they would be over the Knicks. Yes, I think even going back to the Knicks, that might be a pick That might be a pick and then maybe they're one or two-point favorites over Detroit and, and Cleveland. And then as you go through um, the Southeast Division, I know you're higher on Charlotte than me, but that would be the only team. You know South what? East.
1: As I'm watching them in preseason, I'm really kind of regretting that quote-unquote hot take because, boy, they don't look good.
0: <laughs> so, again, as we go through the East, we picked out the Knicks, Pistons, Cavaliers, and Hornets. Now, that's only four teams in their conference. That's Right. You know, they're going to be only able to be able. To, they're only going to be able to play those teams three times each, and the rest of the conference three times each. And they're going to be underdogs there. As you look to the west, maybe Oklahoma City they'd be favored over. Um, maybe Sacramento. Maybe Sacramento. They have a fuller
1: right. roster, I would say. You know, I like Fox better than anyone on Chicago's roster. But when you start to go player by player, I think those other positions, uh, Chicago might have a slight advantage.
0: It's close. I'd make the Kings a small favorite, but you're right. It's the Kings or Oklahoma City. So, again, we went through the entire league, and this team we would only have favorites. And, again, we don't feel great about this over one, two, three, four, five, six teams. Yeah, It's it's tough to go over there. So I think the under is the right side. I'm going to think about that one a little bit more, but I'll probably end up joining you there.
1: I actually think uh, for this whole division, this number is the most off. If I only were to bet one for this division, it would be the Bulls Mm -hmm. under.
0: All right. I think that wraps up the Bulls for us. Let's go to the next team in the list alphabetically, the Cavaliers of Cleveland. Um, you know, Looking at their offseason again, kind of similar to the Bulls here. I mean, not much from an acquisition perspective, unless you're really excited that Deladova is back in Cleveland. They were able to draft Isaac Okoro, who looks like he's going to be a nice piece. Starting lineup looks like it's going to be Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Kevin loved and Drummond that's, that's, I, I kind of raise an eyebrow at that. I mean, it's three kind of small guards. Let me just double check. I don't think a Coro is, um, a taller player, yeah, he's only six foot five. I mean, again, his wingspan's nice. But you look at Garland Sexton and Akoro as your three guards. I think the tallest player there again is Akoro, probably at six foot five. And they've got Love and Drummond. I think it could be a really fun team offensively. I'm curious to see how that all fits together. Um, it's funny that in 2020 we finally like got Kevin Love and Andre Drummond together. I, I think I would have liked to seen that maybe in 2010, 2011, something like that. That could have <laughs> been fun. Uh, what do you think about the Cleveland Cavs? So yeah, my little take on the Cleveland
1: Cavaliers is. You know, we always talk about with these these bad teams that you need to draft the best player available. And I think this team is kind of like the pitfall on why it's so hard for some GMs to do that. And they end up drafting for need because then you have this team, right, with you have Garland, Sexton, and Kevin Porter Jr., who I know that they're high on um, inside. So I'm actually surprised that ESPN put Okoro as the starter over Porter Jr. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I think the Porter Jr. has got a good chance to grab those minutes. But I think that this is just a terrible fit um, for these three guys. I just don't like the way they are defensively. I think that you're relying a lot on Andre Drummond's rim protection because I think these guys are going to get beat off the dribble left and right. Darius Garland looked like he couldn't even play basketball for the first half of last season. Started to get it together, but I think that this year, if he starts like that again, he will be banished to the bench and they'll run Sexton. Porter and a Coro. Um, regardless, this is a team that, I mean, it's just a bunch of talented guys that don't fit together at all. Um, I think they had another um, bad coach, and I think they made a upgrade getting uh, bigger staff, who I think will communicate well. Suppose he's got a good relationship with Love, so I don't know if we'll see as many antics from Kevin Love um, this year. But overall, I'm really down on this team. Um, but unfortunately, the books are as well. I think I saw like a 22 which i think is right
0: um yeah, let me see the line again looks like it's 22 maybe 21 and a half 22 and a half depending on where you look puts the win percentage right around 30.5
1: and and the reason i don't like that is it's so low that if you know we they get teams that we're projecting to be good that have injuries or covid news you know they could sweep through and maybe you know go on a like five or six win streak and that would sink your under um in some unexpected fashion so that's why i'm not going to play that under but overall i'm looking to fade this team i don't like them at all just as as a collection of talent they're good like i said this is another team where i think that if they were to look to start to trade some of these guys and they're gonna have to soon because they don't work well together i think they will be able to get a good return for everybody except for love so one interesting thing i uh, was reading when I did the the dive in there is the reason that love is still on this team Is that the Cavaliers view him as an asset and all the other GMs think that the Cavaliers should be giving something up To get love to take that contract off their hands. So it seems like he's gonna be there for a while And I was also thinking about that because that seems to be the only thing that people even talk about when when they're Going over this team is where's is Kevin love gonna end up? Where does he go Where that? He would actually help like maybe Boston I don't know. Like
0: it would have to be in a backup role. I don't see him being a starting player somewhere. Um, but, but again, he's somebody so who still can't play in the playoffs. Backup? That's I mean, it just it's it doesn't work out. Now yeah. I was curious going going back to your comment on Okoro, Ak- So they're in the draft. They've got the fifth pick. Edwards, Wiseman, Ball, and Patrick Williams are off the board. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're upset Patrick Lambton's gone, but at that point you could draft Acuaro. Akon is still there. Killian Hayes is around. They could take an Ob Toppin. I think Toppin might have been a great choice there. Um, Denny Avita. That might have been a nice, interesting play, knowing that this year's not so great. I think you're right. There was some better opportunity on the really? board, so board I for there. I don't think is that bad as a pick because <laughs> I just don't think it, it fits with here, and I don't think that he's so overwhelmingly the best player that like it just it makes sense.
1: I think if you're a smart GM, you realize you weren't going to star in this draft anyway, so let's try and get a plug-and-play guy. Uh, Okoro's not going to get played off the floor defensively if his um, uh, work at Arizona is any indication. You know, whereas Toppin, that might have been an issue. I mean, if you put Toppin out there, they would have been in the T-Wolves category, giving up 150 a night. So I actually like the pick of Okoro. It's just... um, I don't really think his ceiling's that high, and I don't think his ability to make an impact as a
0: rookie that high is, is that good. That's, that's what I mean. It, it seems like they could have gone a better way. And again, circling back to the win percentage as well, this was something we were talking about with our friend uh, Drew Dinsick, or Whale Capper, if you will, in one of our chats. Um, about three to five teams every season finish at 30% or worse. I think this is there's a good chance that the Cleveland Cavaliers are one of those teams. But like you said, because they're hanging the line right there at 30%, that is a pretty solid number. Um, you know, as you start to look up and down the roster, it's tough to see maybe anybody from a future perspective for like six man of the year or most improved player or something like that. I don't see a coro, it's like a, a rookie of the year candidate. So that's a tough team to attack from a market perspective. Uh night tonight, though, I think this is going to be a fun team to bet overs on. And I think this is gonna be a fun team uh, from a live betting perspective as the starters start to come off the floor to fade them. I mean, the mm-hmm. backup you're looking at Della Vadova, Kevin Porter Jr., Seti Osman, Larry Nance Jr. JaVale McGee is probably going to get some minutes for this team. I wonder if um, Dante Exum is going to play some minutes here and and just this endless pile of first-round guards that do not seem to fit or make any sense. So I think under is the way to go if you had to make a play here. But like you said, I I think they did a pretty good job here on this number. I'd have it maybe a little lower, but not too much.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's an advantage here at all. And it's funny because, you know, we're going to be planning to do at least weekly pods as the season goes on. I don't think we're going to be talking about the Cavaliers until the trade deadline. I mean, I think this is a team that once the season starts, we are going to be hard pressed to find anything that's remotely interesting about this team. It's almost like they're punting on this year, and they're they're smart because there's probably ten players in the draft next year that can come in and be potentially the best player on the floor for this team. So, um, oh, easily another team that you know. Line it up and punt and uh, we'll see you next year guys, but uh, be looking to fade them overall in the game I think you're gonna have a great first quarter angle and I'll be looking forward um, to tailing your model as I did last year to uh, to some great success and so um, Yeah, I mean (laughs) really not much about this team except for I think this team is the perfect example of why GMs are really (coughs) reticent to just draft the best player available because then you get this glut of these small guards with handles that kind of need the ball to score and so now I, if i'm running with porter jr not a coro there at the three i got three guys that are really ball dominant that don't pass that well and aren't going to defend that well on the other end so i really str- see struggle to see how this team is going to beat other nba squads at full strength
0: yeah i, th- I think they'll be a tough night tonight um We'll see. Like you said, it's there, there's some talented players there. I don't know what they're going to do. And again, I don't know how you unwind it either. Like I don't know what the market for love is. I don't know what the market for drum it is. But we'll see. Um, you know, best best of luck to them in, in the uh, in the coming season. But uh, any other thoughts on you uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers here before we jump to the next team? No, we'll talk
1: about them like in January, or February again.
0: <laughs> Jumping into the next team, the Pistons of Detroit. Um, an interesting offseason for them. Out goes. Christian Wood, out goes Luke Kennard, um, Langston Galloway, who somehow led the team in games played last year in, in what seems to be an amazing stat is also gone. Um, in comes Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley. Um, they've drafted Killian Hayes. So, you know, you're looking at a starting five of Killian Hayes, DeLon Wright, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, and Mason Plumley. Um, what the hell were they thinking?
1: Yeah, they get the 2019 Knicks award for getting all the power forwards. What is going on with this team? What? <laughs> unbelievable! How much did they spend to acquire that the Nets backup? I mean, the Nuggets backup power forwards. Unbelievable! I know Jeremiah uh, Grant did great in the bubble, right? But I mean, wow! It's just unbelievable this team here. I don't really like any of them. Is Blake going to stay healthy? My guess would be no. I think that Killian Hayes it's a risky pick um you know when we had our guy big three on he really uh highlighted that that scouts had uh, were not high on his athleticism so i guess derrick rose is going to be great off the bench there As really a nice change of pace here um if killing, i mean he's one of those guys that i could really wouldn't be surprised either way uh i could see him coming in and just being a good enough basketball player to make an impact or his lack of athleticism doesn't translate and He's really struggling um to do the things that he was doing so well over in Europe. So I don't know what to make of this team at all. I expect them to be another lottery team. I expect them to lose a lot. I expect them to be double digit favorite or underdogs a lot and not cover. Um and if Blake doesn't stay healthy, it just seems like it's gonna be a disaster. Uh what do you think about Detroit's
0: overall? I think he really hit the nail on the head. I mean To give Jeremy Grant the contract he got, and let me just double check and make sure that I have the numbers right here. I think it was three
1: sixty. I thought it was. It was yeah, three
0: years, sixty million dollars a year. (laughs) That's that's really that's really. He got it. Makes me feel
1: good against Leonard. Right? Because right and i like him I, I love him i
0: loved him as a sixer he is a guy that you want on your team mm-hmm. but not for 20 million dollars a year well, i think
1: their idea is that they need to hit the salary cap floor right i mean there's a floor
0: and where is space going to be on this floor like if you start to look at the lineup there's not one why. shooter in this lineup there's it's nobody
1: terrible it's terrible
0: it's just a mess I, they man. might actually
1: be worse than the cavaliers what do you think they on look less draw. talented
0: to me. There's less shooting here. It's on a
1: neutral I my favor the calves.
0: I think so. I think that, that that makes sense. I mean, so let's take a look at some of the win markets again. It looks like their win percentage is 32 and a half percent. The totals I'm seeing 23 and a half. I mean, last year they had a win percentage of thirty percent again their pie tag was a little bit higher. But like you said, I might be one of those teams that kind of got blown out towards the end of games. But um Again, there's there's a couple teams every year that are under 30%. The market here has given us a chance to attack under 32%. I think under is the play here. You got any complaints there? I mean –
1: I think the only way that this gets sunk is Killian Hayes comes in and he just balls out. And, you know, he's just an absolutely fantastic player. And I think he's big enough to where they can play him with Rose to close games. So that would give them a nice scoring punch. And that's if he hit, like, his absolute ceiling – uh, of what's expected of him as a draft prospect. Um, obviously, Grant can do well. I mean, Plumley, I mean, I guess he's okay defensively. And you get a really good Blake that stays healthy, right? And then we would lose that under bet. But <laughs> that's just like five things I named that, that like have to go right that I think are 50-50 or less to happen. So uh, I'm, I'm not as confident on my Bulls under because I love that the 29 so much better. But I would go under on
0: this team, too. Yeah, I think so. That's a play. I've got that lined up. I like that quite a bit. Again, it's just a tough year for the Pistons. I mean, I like Blake Griffin a lot. I think that he's a fun player. I love the way he's been able to adapt his game and grow it throughout the years. I mean, point Blake is was great, but in 2020, he is not the guy you want to be your best player on a team with little to no shooting at this point. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough situation for them, but we'll see. Um, I love the under there. Any other thoughts here on the Pistons before we move on to the next team? If Blake stays
1: healthy, do you think he gets traded? Do you think a contender will pick him up?
0: It's tough. I mean, I, again, it's expensive. It's just like Kevin Love. Like I don't – he's obviously better than Kevin Love in my opinion. I think I think he he does more place. things, but, um, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I can't see it. Um Again, maybe somebody wants to pick him up. I, I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. I I just yeah. think Detroit's in a position where they just might have like to run the clock on that.
1: Maybe Portland or someone, like I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's very many uh takers out there for Blake. So um this is another team that will be uh jockeying with Mike Kings for that top lottery
0: position, I believe. All right, on to the Pacers of Indiana. Another team. Um you know At start to look a playoff to... team now. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's Oladipo should be healthy this year. I got a team that didn't really do much from an acquisition perspective. The starting five is still going to be Brogdon, Depot, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner, Aaron Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, um, and McDermott coming off the bench with a couple other guys. To me, you know, it looks like a solid roster. I think they'll be competitive every night. I mean, I think that, there in in play for a four to six seed here in the West, even though they don't really have kind of a, a top star. I mean, maybe Old Depot shows out. Maybe Brogdon takes a real next step forward. I like both of those players. Um, Old Depot, I think, is starting to become limited given his body and his injury history. Brogdon, I'm curious to see. He's somebody who seems to get incrementally better every year. So I wonder what his improvement this year is. What do you think of the Indiana Pacers? What are your expectations for them?
1: So, I like this team. I think that they're a playoff team um, unless they get huge injuries. I'm not a huge fan of how that they are constructed. I don't like Sabonis and Turner together. I think in this new NBA where, you know, the, the freedom of movement on the outside, I don't like having the two bigs. I think that they um, stagger pretty well, and they could be an interesting closing lineup here. Um but I'm really surprised that they, they stuck with Turner. I thought that Turner would be on the move. I thought he would be attractive to some teams, uh, especially Boston, right? That was rumored, and I was really surprised it didn't happen. They're rolling it back with the same crew. Um, I Actually, I like the starting five. Uh, I, I think the major X factor will be is can T.J. Warren be the player he was in the bubble? right? I mean, dropping 50 and stuff. I mean, that was amazing. Is he going to continue to do that? If so, you know, I like this Pacers team a lot to maybe even sneak into a four spot, right? Because I think that you're going to get consistent effort most nights. And kind of going back to what we had with the Bulls, the coaching change is interesting here. Um, I didn't think McMillan was that bad. I thought that I don't think it's like a a boiling situation where the team, you know, didn't like him and and it's just anyone would have been better. Um, But it'll be interesting. The new coach is definitely more um, what I consider the new NBA oriented. You know, Nate McMillan was kind of like a '90s guy. You know, play defense, get good shots, work the shot clock, this and that. This guy's going to be much more trying to get these guys some open threes. And I think that they have a nice backup crew um, to go ahead and play that style of basketball. Obviously, McDermott can hit from behind the arc. Uh, I don't think Jeremy Lamb's that bad at three-point shooters. Uh, Brogdon, Depot and Warren can all light it up behind the arc. Turner will throw it up there. I don't know if it's a good shot, but he definitely has to be respected. And, of course, the bonus can make those. So um, I think that they are pivoting towards the new style of NBA. And this could be another team where even though they return the same uh, players – that they actually improve just because the coach has them in a more um, playing a style that is more conducive to today's game.
0: Makes a ton of sense to me. It's um, so maybe this might be another interesting team to go through, you know, who would you favor the Pacers over every night? You know, as we start to go through the East and the Atlantic division, uh, you know, I don't think you'd have a favor over Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, Brooklyn. I think they're clearly favored over the Knicks. Yeah. You get to this, this division, you know, not over the Bucks. I think they're clearly favorites with the Bulls, Pistons, and Cavaliers. So, we're up to four teams. Yeah. Um, on the Southeast, I don't think they're, you know, dogs to Miami. Um, they're so favorites, favorites over Orlando. Else. Favorites over, over Orlando. Else. Favorites
1: over Atlanta. Favorites so are up Washington, to eight teams. Favorite over Charlotte.
0: Up to eight teams in the East. That's pretty solid. Again, there's only 15 yeah. teams in the East. So, you know, more than half the conference. Obviously, they're one of the other teams. They're favorites over them. So, I think that's. Solid there, given that's where they're going to play their bulk of their games. You know, when you start to look at the Western Conference, though, um, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, um, Sacramento, maybe Golden State, depending on what happens there later in the season. Um, not sure what's going to happen with Houston, you know, and that's probably it. I mean, do you think you'd have a favor over the Spurs? Probably over the Spurs. Yeah. All right, so pretty close. So we've got eight teams in the East. What did I come up with? Three, four, three or four teams in the West. So pretty solid. Again, you have them favored over most of the teams in their conference, a few teams in the other conference, and I think they'll have a chance to split games with everybody else. They should be competitive. You know, you're, you're talking about a solid team. As I look at some of the numbers here, the Indiana Pacers, I'm seeing uh, their win percentage total at 54 and a half, and the win total from a, a wins perspective at 39.5, and a half, which is right around the same. Um, let me see where that puts them. You know, that ranks them actually a little bit lower. When I start to look at the win percentage ranks. It has them at like the seven seed, um, you know, behind teams. Let's see who they're behind here. Atlanta, they're behind. And I guess I think so. That's a mistake.
1: I think yeah. So I, Atlanta.
0: Yeah. So then, are we maybe thinking an over here? I mean, again, the win percentage that we're seeing. Um, I, I like the 4.5 They the were 60 they were 60% win team last year. Again, the Pythag was a little lower at 56%, but a solid team with some adversity. I mean, what do you think of the over there?
1: Yeah, I I like I lean over here and I'll tell you why. I think this team is set up to absorb injuries or, you know, COVID scares or whatever better than some of these other teams that they're going against. Um, I think that their depth is I mean, it's light years above the three teams we just discussed and I I actually think that I like the depth of this team. I think they go 9 deep depending on what you think of Goga Patatze. I'm not sure what to make of him. Um but because I think Sabonis and Turner are basically just going to be staggered, I don't know how many minutes he's really going to get. So I I like the over on this team. I think they're able to absorb injuries and I think that they will play a little, a little better as they have a coach that's kind of more set towards the new style of nba i think we could see a little uh, some improvement with these same players essentially
0: i think so it's um i guess my only concern and the reason i won't be betting the over here is um one's a little softer concern i wonder how tj warren's gonna feel being kind of third guy in the offense here with brogdon all the depot healthy but more Interestingly, and I think my bigger concern is I wonder if Oladubo is long for this world. I wonder if he is going to be an idiot or pacer all season. You've seen whispers and reports that he has been interested in playing for other teams. He's been trying to practice with other players as opposed to the guys that he plays with. I wonder how long this team stays together. I know that they've been shopping Miles Turner now off and on for probably about a year and a half. There's just been a ton of reports of that. So I wonder if this is a team that at some point you know, maybe starts to tear things down a little bit or, or start to unwind things. So that's my only concern. I mean, if they keep the band together all year and they're mostly healthy, I think this is a pretty solid overlook, but that's going to, that gives me a little bit of pause and, um, you know, probably getting me to pass there. What do you think of that?
1: So here, here's my thoughts on that. I think that they are better if they... Uh get rid of both those guys i don't think when all came in their like reintegration of oladipo made the team worse they were better without him last year so if they get any sort of asset they can plug and play use right away I'm fine with that. We've already talked about Turner and Sabonis not necessarily being the best fit. So if one of them were to go and, and for a player and not just like, you know, uh, picks or, or future considerations, a, a guy that you can plug and play right away, I think they have the ability to improve during the season. And um, those are two players that I think they could give you a reasonable return that I'm not necessarily high on their ability to impact this season. So uh, I'm not as worried about either of those guys going. In fact, I might like to bet even more if I knew that it was for sure to happen
0: yeah that's interesting all right any other thoughts here on the pacers before we jump into (coughs) excuse me the last team in the division
1: no let's go because i think this is the team that everyone wants to hear about right this is
0: the team the milwaukee bucks and and, you know i warned you spread before the show i was going to ask you this do you know what uh milwaukee means in algonquin
1: no i don't please uh enlighten me and the viewers
0: well, it's disappointing that you've never seen Wayne's World because anyone that has seen Wayne's World oh, remembers the Alice Cooper scene like where years. he explains <laughs> that it's actually pronounced Milwaukee, which <laughs> is Algonquin for the Good Land.
1: Oh, there we go. Which is so we have because... the Good Land Bucks. Yeah.
0: Uh, with hypothetically, Giannis Atentakoupa, now and let's maybe start there. Um, we saw some weird reports that is, this Barber tweeted him good luck or something, and what the are head we or, doing? like take it back um he has a, still a week left i believe to sign his max extension that has been on his desk and, and he has yet to sign that um what do you think i mean given everything you know everything you read if, if you had to guess you know is Giannis gonna play for the bucks all year um, is he gonna get traded midseason or is he gonna get traded in the next seven days here
1: i would say not in the next seven days and if he doesn't re-sign Maybe, I don't know. It might be worth it to just take a shot for the championship um, right away. I mean, that's the, that's the dark cloud hovering over this team. Um, Assuming he doesn't, do you think that that's going to negatively affect the team? The fact that it's going to basically be overshadowing maybe even their player, their performance.
0: I think so. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it a little bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be an issue. Um, I mean, you want to talk about your team, your play, and the game you just played. You don't want to have to answer questions about whether or not your teammates getting traded the whole time, whether or not he really wants to be there. So um, I think that that is definitely going to be an issue. And, you know, Milwaukee. So this is the first team that, that we've discussed on this podcast and the only team that we'll discuss on this particular podcast that has championship hopes. And it's going to come back to our guy, Budenholzer, who I tried to defend last year on the podcast and fell on my sword, died a gruesome death, and was left on the battlefield. Um, on a, It wasn't even a large hill. It was a small hill that I died on. because. Uh, didn't make adjustments in the playoffs, didn't up Giannis's minutes. I, I, it, was, it was one of the worst playoff performances from a actual contending team, right? Because I'm going to throw out, like, you blew it with the Phoenix Suns or something like that 10 years ago, right, on a team that couldn't even make it. One of the worst play, uh, coaching performances from a playoff contender – that we've seen in years. And I think that's gonna be a cloud hovering over the team. Now I know that Budenholzer is a guy that came from the Popovich tree and they like to just basically stick to what they do. And they don't like to make adjustments during the season because they feel that it makes them like less of a man or you know they're not sticking to their system that they're implementing. And it, it was so much to the detriment of the team um, that it was just amazing. So I think that's gonna be another cloud um, hanging over this team this year as they cruise to 10 and 15-point victories and are covering 12 and 13-point spreads for us during the regular season. Is it going to matter if they, if they flub in the playoffs again this year? So um, as it gets to be with these teams that, that have championship potential, that are always failing to recover, it's almost like nothing they do in the regular season is even going to matter, and it's always just going to keep going to those playoff questions.
0: I agree. I mean, I think you're right. This is, this is going to cause some tension in the locker room. But maybe at the same time, I mean, they clearly came in and it shook things up here a little bit. You bring in Jeru Holiday. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like DiVincenzo is going to slide in the starting lineup. I think bringing in Bobby Portis is actually getting an interesting player off the bench. I mean, out goes Wesley Matthews, who you know is a nice player, but I don't know if his body is athletically where it needs to be to play with this group. Gone is Robin Lopez, who is a solid player, but I, I think that that's a fine loss. Uh, gone as Eric Bledsoe, I think maybe helped them back a little bit. I think this is a team that got better. And I think that if Giannis is going to play all season, and given everything I know right now, I would bet that he plays as a Milwaukee Buck all season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's fair. Whether he signs the extension or not, um, you know, if he doesn't sign the extension, I still think that the Bucks are going to be hard-pressed to trade him with the team that they put together because this is a championship team. If there's any team that is going to compete with the Los Angeles Lakers, it's this team. Um, you know, it's still going to be tough. I would favor the Lakers over them, given LeBron and Anthony Davis and all, everything that they've done. But if Giannis can really be the best player in the league and really be the best player every single night, they finally, I think, got enough players around him to support him. Drew Holiday is great on the defense and and a solid shooter. Someone that is not afraid of taking a big shot at the end of the game or being in some of those big moments um one of absolutely my favorite Sixers when he was there I thought he was great as a Pelican I think highly of his game and I think he's going to be a really nice piece with Giannis I wonder how Giannis is going to enjoy having a, a real guard he's never played with a real guard before his best point guard is um Brandon Knight yeah George Hill maybe At Matthew Della like yeah. it's unbelievable he's going to have a real point guard for the first time I wonder how he's going to enjoy that freedom Di Vincenzo continues to get better. If he can get his shooting up to a level that's respectable, I mean, this is a great starting lineup. Holiday, DiVincenzo, Middleton, Giannis, Brook Lopez, you're looking at four, possibly five three-point shooters. If Giannis is going to continue to raise his game like he has every year, I see no reason to be anything but bullish on this team. Um, yeah, I think it's just a great lineup. Um, you know, again, and, and you mentioned my biggest holdup is Budenholzer. are The only reason that I haven't bet them to win the championship, that I haven't bet them to win the Eastern Conference, um, you know, because taking a look at some of their prices, they are plus 550 to win the championship. You can still get them plus 240 to win the East. I mean, that's just, you know, they are favorites over the Nets, but it's pretty close. And the Nets are plus 270 where I'm looking. So, uh, you know, given how much I love them, I feel like I should be jumping on the Eastern Conference price, but the questions about Giannis again i think that he's going to stay and then you know can boot really put it together i mean so what do you think i mean are you attacking the bucks here in the market um you know again from a conference and championship futures perspective i'm staying away from them but i really like their win total here um i'm seeing a win a win percentage of 68 and a half percent I'm seeing a win total right around 50, which again mirrors that number. There's some 50 and a half or even 51s, which gets you up to like 70%. But the 80% they won 76% of their games last season, 81% if you remove the bubble, again, eight games that they didn't need to even really try in. um their Pythag, again, a pretty stellar 77 and a half percent So they were as good as their record says they were. And you know, they dropped them down to below 70%. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, Spread. I mean, do you have any reason why books would be, you know, dropping their win percentage, you know, a full eight percent? I mean, do they know Giannis is gone? Is is maybe that's what's driving that? Do you have do you have any idea what's what's making that number so low?
1: Yeah, I think this is a tough team to attack from like an overall playoff championship futures perspective. I think this win total is one of the safest bets you can make. Uh, This is a team that crushed even without Giannis in the lineup. On the nights that he sat last year, they were still covering. Uh, And those were great value because the line would move three or four points and then they would cover the original number, even if you got it before the news came out. So um, this is a team that knows how to use their depth. And I think that uh, as much as we don't like Budenholzer as a playoff coach, I think he's a great regular season coach. I think that some of his stubbornness and and, – wanting to use the bench, wanting to go 9 or 10 deep, you know, keeping his stars to only 30 minutes, 32, 34, whatever that number was uh, that he wouldn't let Giannis go over, um, does excellent for the regular season because his players aren't burned out. They're giving great effort every night, and I think that they are dominating the bench minutes, uh, which is fantastic. I think he knows how to stagger his players well um, from a regular season perspective. So I love this regular season win total over. Now, my concern what do we do with the actual futures, right? I mean, let's look, Uh, was that Miami thing just a fluke once they get home court back? um, You know, and I don't wanna go too much into it, but assuming we get a vaccine by April or May and our playoffs are looking to be June and July, right? I mean, that could be huge. Um, you know, give them the advantage that they didn't have, right? Because they're the number one seed with no home court. Now, the Lakers were able to do it, but I would definitely say that that negatively affected uh, Milwaukee. Not to mention, I think, going into the bubble. I think that they were hurt by the slowdown. Obviously, Giannis had that twisted knee. And you can say, well, it let them get healthy. But they also destroyed all their momentum. Then they go into the bubble. They treat eight games like preseason, while other teams like Miami were just ramping up and, and getting ready to go. Um, you know, I think that the whole scenario... Um, was it a disadvantage to them? So at the end of the day, though, it's going to come down to, is Budenholzer willing to evolve as a coach? Will he give Giannis more minutes? Will he make adjustments game to game, you know, and not think that it's like challenging his manhood to, to make an adjustment in series while Spolster is sitting here, you know, looking like Gary Kasparov moving all his pieces around, just outmaneuvering them uh, left and right. And so it comes down to how do they match up? I hate the matchup with Miami. Um I still think that's a huge advantage for Miami because they know how to play Giannis final to the middle. I don't know if the addition of Holiday gives them the creation that they need. I love them on the defensive end, but I still think that they are going to be quite reliant on Giannis for shot creation. I think that Toronto can do some of the same things, and I think that Boston does have the firepower uh, to keep up with them. So obviously they got some minefields to go there um, to get to the NBA Finals. That being said, I do think that they are the proper favorite to make the NBA Finals out of the East.
0: I do, too. I mean, I'm kind of flabbergasted with all the the love here for the Nets, but we'll get to that on Wednesday when we have a guest and talk about the Atlantic Division a little bit. I I mean, to touch on a couple of things you talked about again, it's another really deep team. Despite all the bodies they lost, their backups you are looking at DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, Connaughton, Portis, Torrey Craig. Um, looking to see if they have any other you know, decent players here. But those are five solid guys to bring off the bench. I mean, they're all pretty decent shooters. They're all good players. They all provide something that's interesting. Now, a comment I saw our buddy DB there in the chat totally agree. I mean, he's pointing out that Chris Middleson. Probably needs to take a step up here. He has been someone who's been great in the regular season and has shied away in the playoffs. And it's not that he has to be dominant. You know, we're not asking him to score 20 points a night, but he's got to start to be a little better defensively and I think a little better shooter. So I think that that's a nice point. You know, in terms of the longer season, and I like what you said, spread. I mean, it's you think back to Miami. Uh, we were all over Miami. I think anybody that knows anything about basketball loved Miami in that series. Loved the matchup. Was finding ways to bet them every night, if not before the series. I know we were all over that. And I think there's still a tough matchup this year. I mean, Miami's a deep team. They're tough. They have a lot of shooting. Butler's still there. bio, still there. Who knows what else they're going to be able to put together here? You know, the East is still tough, but the Bucks got better, and they still have arguably the best player in the league like you said if budenholzer can figure out the right combinations if he can um you know push the minutes in the playoffs like you said i mean Giannis's minutes in the playoffs are comically low i mean he's they've got to be ramping those minutes up so we'll see how they do love the win total over here uh, but we're avoiding any other futures I'm trying to think did we miss anything was there any other angles on the, the milwaukee bucks
1: that's so fun. I can't believe it. I've watched that movie so many times, but that was like junior high for me. Um, no, I think I think we pretty much got it. Like I said, I think this is a, a good team. Great point about Middleton. I think Middleton shot all right. I think that his. His issue is he's got to be able to create more. There has to be possessions where Giannis can get it to him and know that they're going to get a solid shot, and and he can move around and not have to do everything on the offensive end. So I think Middleton needs to be more of a creator. I think that Holiday can do it somewhat, but I think against the better teams – Oh, boy, I think that they're going to be so reliant on Giannis for creation. This is why I think this team is so awesome in the regular season uh, when teams are going to be tired and not specifically game planning for them. And I think that in the playoffs when you have the two games off and you're specifically tailoring your game plan to them, uh, they can be exploitable. So uh, it's really going to be on Coach Bud and Giannis to step up, um, dispel this notion. And I guess my only question is, so if you ever have to bet, is he there or he's gone? I'm saying he's gone. This is last year. I don't think they trade him. I think they'll just take the L and keep him the whole year. I don't think they're going to try and get, like, four draft picks and punt on this year. You know, I think they'll go for the championship this year because – You have to. Have, yeah, they're not going to get it even if they get all the – Every single Oklahoma City draft pick, they're still not going to win championships. So. Right,
0: and, and they already traded away too many assets to pick up Holiday and all these guys. I think that Holiday's maybe a little better than you're giving him credit for. I think in those big games, he's going to be okay as a creator. Again, I think it's just Bud unlocking the potential of this team and really letting the better players play a bunch of minutes in the playoffs, going down to a tight nine-man rotation like a lot of the winners do at, at the end of the season. But yeah, anything else spread on the Bucks here? Any of these other teams before I do a quick recap?
1: No, I think that we pretty much got it. I think that this is going to be a fascinating team, but it's it's almost just like, wait, you know what I'm saying? Like the regular season, we know what we're going to get. They're going to steamroll teams. They're going to cover huge numbers, and nobody's going to care because all it's going to matter is what happens in the playoffs.
0: All right, to go back through again, the Chicago Bulls, we like under their win percentage or total wins there. Cleveland, spread's jumping on the under. I lean under, but I think I'm going to pass there. Um, yeah, I think that's a stay away. That is Somebody. a stay away. Actually, I'm sorry. That's you're right. We lean under, but we're staying away there. We both like the Pistons under. We're going to stay away from Indiana, lean over there. I think you're going to bet the over for Indiana maybe, but I'm, I'm going to pass there. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to jump in on that. And then Milwaukee, we both like the over there. So a lot of action here, actually, despite what is kind of a messy division. Again, Chicago under, passing on Cleveland. Detroit under, Indiana over, if you like. I'm passing there. And Milwaukee over for both of us. It's so pretty solid here. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening. We appreciate those of you in the comments there. Um, thank you, everybody, again. If you could, please um, give us a rating, a review, anywhere you're watching or listening. We'd appreciate a subscription. And you can find us on Twitter at NetWorthPod. And you can find both of us, Spread at SpreadAstair, myself at underscore noobs. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a couple days to talk about the Atlantic Division with a surprise guest.
1: Good luck in all your ways.